Welcome to the View Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, Daddy Issues, Dealing with Your Past to Embrace Your Future. In this message, Stop the Bleeding, Start the Blessing, we discover three practical ways we can be a blessing to others as we practice forgiveness and heal from the past. For resources and exercises to help you on the journey, visit voochurch.com slash daddy issues. Let's lean into the message together. Uh, We're continuing today uh, a collection of talks. Uh, Next week, we're gonna finish it. It'll be five weeks in, but today is week four of a collection of talks entitled uh, Daddy Issues. And we've been talking about dealing with the past so that we can embrace our future. And we've been doing a whole lot of work. There's a lot of resources at voochurch.com slash daddy issues, books that you can read, genograms that you can fill out. Uh, I'd encourage if you missed any of the messages, I really think all of these messages really kind of work in chronological order. And, and last week was really a day of healing for so many of us in this room because many of you, you had the courage to face the past, but not just face it, you said, I'm gonna forgive. That's a big deal to go back and deal with your father wounds and forgive. No one will tell you this, but you ought to know forgiveness hurts. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, forgiveness hurts. Like there's just no getting around it. Like if you come to my house, steal my lamp. Took my lamp, bro. Forgiveness is not me getting the lamp back. Forgiveness is not you paying to replace the lamp. Forgiveness is me letting you off. And I have to deal with the pain of not having a lamp. So what is that pain? Uh, I either got to pay $50 and get a new lamp, or I got to figure out how to work in the dark. And forgiveness is is releasing someone and saying, God, I'm going to trust you that you'll heal my heart. And forgiveness hurts. It it hurts. I say it this way. Forgiveness hurts, but how many know forgiveness heals? Forgiveness heals. And many of us, we set some people free last week, but in letting them go, we let ourselves go. So we've been on this journey of going backwards and going backwards is a a challenging thing, man, because we just start seeing stuff. I have a friend of mine. Anyone ever done that thing called Ancestry.com? Where's all the, like the 20, is it 23 and me? I feel like Don Shree's really into that. Like everyone's really into like their origin stories right now. I have a friend that her whole entire life, she was adopted. Her entire life, she grew up believing and being told that she was Mexican. And then she did Ancestry.com to find out she's 95% Polynesian. Nothing wrong with being Mexican, but you're not Mexican, you're Polynesian. And it just made me think how many of us have believed lies about our past? How many of us haven't gotten past our past that we believe some sort of a lie that the enemy has said that there's a curse over your life, that your family is cursed? No, this is a day that we're gonna reverse the curse. This is a day that we're gonna step up and say, no, I do not believe that my past is in charge of my future. And so today, I don't just want you to heal. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper. I want to look at Ezekiel chapter 16 for a moment. This is a uh, powerful, powerful prophecy that we don't have nearly enough time today to put it all the way into context, but it really is a judgment from God and it's coming to God's people. In Ezekiel chapter 16, as you read it in its full context, 
Essentially, God's like, I saved you, I redeemed you, but then you ran away from me and I'm still gonna come and atone you, but you're gonna carry the shame, the pain. But there's one part that I just wanna use today as a prophetic statement for this collection. It's Ezekiel chapter 16, verse six. It says this, then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. Someone say live. And I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Today, as we confront this idea that some battles you are facing and some struggles you are up against today, you didn't start, but you certainly can stop. And today, it's not just about getting healed. It's not just about seeing the wound healed. I wanna speak towards your future. I wanna speak towards your destiny. I wanna speak towards your legacy. And today, part four of this collection, I just simply title it this, Stop the Bleeding, Start the Blessing. Someone say, stop the bleeding, start the blessing. Someone say, stop the bleeding, start the blessing. How many of y'all know life is really all about stopping and starting things? I love metaphor and I love illustration. I really think that life really is one big road trip. But on this road trip of life, how many of y'all know we're not on a freeway? Uh, no, there's traffic lights. Um, we get pulled over. Um, there's stoplights. At times there's even accidents. We have to learn the rhythm of stopping and starting. And this collection is not just about stopping negative patterns. This collection really is about you starting positive ones. How many of y'all know, some of you like, it's like you, you finally did it, right? Like you're like, you finally, I started at the gym, but that's just half the battle. <laughs> you started at the gym, you gotta stop eating garbage. All right, I started a new job. Okay, you better stop being late. I started making new friendships. Okay, you better stop taking counsel from stupid people. Because life is always about starting and stopping. And this collection is not just about stopping bleeding. It's about starting blessing in your life. That God wants to, he wants to start something. He wants you to walk into your future. And the reality of it is, is that when we carry pain, there's so many things that we can do with pain. Like pain can hold us back from stepping into the future. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, my parents were, were, were traveling one weekend and I was staying at a friend's house and we had a really great time. But how many of y'all know when you stay at a friend's house, it's like new rules, new culture, new values. And I don't know who these parents were, but they just kind of let us just run crazy. And um, we were playing tag on our bikes, which is a great game. Do kids even go outside anymore? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But we were outside and uh, we were playing tag on our bikes and I was hiding with my friend. And uh, all of a sudden our friend found us around the car and my friend, he kicked up his kickstand and when he did, it sliced my leg. Like it just, it just cut right through it. And uh, I know, I know, I know, I know if I was at my mom's house, she'd have taken me to the hospital and gotten me stitches. But this mom was like, you good. <laughs> and, <laughs> And let's just say that thing was not good um, because wounds that are neglected get infected. And over the weeks, it was all sorts of stuff was coming out of there. It looked like, I don't know, purgatory. And um, uh, eventually over time, 
the wound did heal. And now today I have a scar. How many of y'all know there's a difference between wounds and scars? Wounds are continuing to bleed. They can get infected, but scars are an indication that you have a story that, yeah, you had a struggle. Yeah, you had some pain, but now you have a story to tell. The scar lets me know that I'm still strong, that I didn't just survive, but I overcame. And what we're believing is we're believing as you confront some of the wounds of your past, that God will heal you and a scar will develop and that you might be able to open up your mouth much like people in our services are doing today. We heard from Don right here at South Miami as he gets up on the stage and he speaks from a healing place of saying, this is what the Lord has done in my life. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. My scar has a story. Come on, somebody, make a little bit of noise. I'm gonna stop the bleeding and I'm gonna start the blessing. And so what do you do with wounds in your life? A lot of people, when it comes to wounds in their life, they just nurse the wounds in their life. Just nurse it, just nurse it. I'm hurt, I'm hurt. I don't know why I use that voice, but it's just, I'm hurt. And, And we can kind of carry around the spirit of being a victim. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to neglect your pain. I'm just saying that's not gonna heal you. It's not gonna heal you. Some people, they just curse it, just angry, angry. It's fascinating because so many times when you see people that are dealing with anger, what they're really dealing with is fear. They don't know how to address that fear and so they lash out in anger, but it's about pain from the past. Some people just rehearse it. Just talk about it, bring it into every other relationship. It's amazing, right? Because when you're wounded, if you're not careful, if you don't get healed, you'll bleed on people who never cut you. Some of you bleeding on your spouse right now, bleeding on your kids right now, bleeding on employees, bleeding on your boss, bleeding on your pastor. Hey, just bleeding. It's because you're just rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. That's not what this message is about today. This message is not to validate you nursing it. It's not to endorse you cursing it. It's not to let you just sit there and rehearse it. This is a message where today you say, I'm gonna reverse the curse once and for all. Today's a day about reversal. What the enemy meant for bad, God is gonna turn it around and he's gonna use it for good. He's gonna use it for good. Stop the bleeding, start the blessing. Stop the bleeding, start the blessing. I wanna stop the bleeding, but I wanna inspire you that there's a blessing that you have and there's a blessing for you to give. I think when we start talking about this word blessing, it's kind of like a word like, well, I don't know, what what does that word even mean? Uh, The Hebrew word is Baruch. And what it means is it means to evoke Uh, special words of favor, of God's touch on your life. Uh, A blessing is not about being um, healthy, wealthy, and wise, okay? Um, those Those aren't bad things, but many times that's what we reduce blessing down to. I've learned over and over again that sometimes when God breaks me, he's actually blessing me. I've actually learned that sometimes suffering is actually in disguise and it's actually a blessing. So blessing comes when God's touch is on my life. It's the opposite of a curse. What we learned in week two was that, yo, you are not 
under a curse. If you are in Christ Jesus, the curse has been broken. That's bad theology. You need to know what Jesus has done for you. But down deep inside of all of us, we're longing and we're desiring the blessing of a father. We have this cry on the inside of us that I want to be blessed. I, I, I long to be blessed. I could show it to you in a few parts in scripture, but, but one that comes to my mind that sticks within our collection was, I talked to you about in week two about Father Abraham. And Abraham, the father of our faith. Remember, he gets this great promise, but he has a character problem. He has this lying problem. And how we all know, unaddressed sins, they don't get better, they get worse. And so he passes his recycled sin down to his son, Isaac. And then Isaac, he too has a lying problem, but it's not a white lie. Now he's just a full blown liar. But then Isaac ends up having two sons. Everyone say two sons. And his two boys' names are Esau and Jacob. And Esau and Jacob are twins, Esau being the older brother and Jacob being the younger brother. Esau, the scripture tells us, uh, this is all around Genesis 25, 26, 27, 28 is their story. Esau was uh, beloved by his father, being the firstborn, but he was also a hunter, he was a gatherer. The scripture says that he was, he was hairy. Um, but Jacob was different. Jacob was really close to his mom. Jacob didn't like being out in the wilderness. Jacob was uh, in, in the kitchen uh, working with his mom and Jacob was really tight with his mom and Esau was really tight with his dad. What's interesting is that this sin of lying is passed down to the generations. In fact, I didn't mention it in week two, but I should have mentioned it. What's crazy is, is that I think sins in families that are unaddressed, they don't just pass downward, they also go horizontally. Marriage is a very supernatural spiritual thing that we won't go into today, but really what you find out is that Rebecca, that's Isaac's wife, she lies to him a lot of times because what you sow is what you reap. And so in this time period, the firstborn is the one who gets the inheritance, but he doesn't just get the inheritance, he gets the blessing, he gets the Baruch of the Father, he gets this special divine favor, he gets the Father asking for a divine touch on that man's life. And so one day, Esau is out hunting, and Jacob is back home making some soup, and when Esau comes in, he's famished, he's hungry, and he's really, really hungry, he sees his brother making soup, and he's like, bro, give me some of that soup. But Jacob, whose name means deceiver, why? Because if your daddy's a liar and you don't address that, your identity will be a liar. So his very name means deceiver. He goes, no, 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 um, let's make a deal. Let's, let's make a trade. He says, well, what do you want to trade? He says, give me your birthright and I'll give you this soup. Esau is so tired. He's like, all right, sounds good. How many of y'all know? When you're tired, you make bad trades. When our flesh is weak, we start trading things that we haven't actually considered the weight of it. I wonder if you're tired today, what have you traded? Have you traded your character for popularity? Have you traded truth for likes? Have you traded your faith for fake friends? Have you traded your convictions for convenience. Because when we get tired, we start making bad trades. And Esau's like, I want that soup so bad. Yeah, you could have my birthright. 
which I could go all day on that, but just for a moment, let's just talk about Jacob. What kind of a brother does this? This man is deceiving. This man is conniving. This is a con man. He knows what he's doing. He knows his brother's tired, but now in his state of weakness, he says, give me your birthright and I'll give you some soup. He gets the birthright. And as the story progresses, Isaac, the father gets older and finally in his old age, he's about to die. And he says, I want to give my blessing to my firstborn. Rebecca, his wife, hears him call in Esau. And he says to Esau, he says, go out and hunt some wild game and make me some food that I like. Rebecca's listening. She goes and she finds Jacob and she says, while your brother's away, put animal skins because your dad's eyesight is so bad. Make him some food that he likes and you go and steal the blessing. Jacob sneaks in. You got, a, you got Isaac's wife and his son lying to him. It's the pattern of the family. It's the family of origin. Jacob sneaks in, goes to his dad. His dad gives him the blessing. His dad gives him this Baruch. And as he leaves the tent, finally Esau comes home and watch this. This is Genesis chapter 27. I want you to hear this because this spoke to me so clearly. Genesis chapter 27, verse 34. As Esau comes in, he's going in to get his blessing. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, even me also, oh, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he's taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And when I read that, to me, that is the cry of so many people on the earth today. I never got the blessing of my earthly father. Do you not have a blessing for me, dad? Dad, what? I didn't need more gifts. I needed your blessing. I needed your love. I needed your affection. And there's so many of us today that, that are longing for the blessing of a father. I can tell you historically, and I can tell you what God was doing. God was telling a story all throughout the Old Testament. God continues to bless the secondborn because that was culturally wrong. And we can look at it and say it's unfair, but he was trying to give you a foreshadow of what grace looks like because Jesus was his firstborn, but he didn't bless Jesus. He forsook Jesus so he could bless you. So he was trying to tell you a story that, hey, grace is coming. Those that don't deserve the blessing are gonna get the blessing. But nonetheless, it leaves someone like Esau with this cry on the inside, this cry looking for my father to, to bless me. I said it a few weeks ago, I'm gonna say it again. The greatest influence on your life is your family of origin. Your family forms you. And the greatest former in your family is your father. The father forms. Someone say the father forms. The father forms. I mean, biologically, it's the father's chromosome that determines your gender. Uh, historically speaking, I know this is 2022 and we're grateful, but historically speaking, which name do you take when you get married? You take the father's last name. 
I'm all for you, you wanna change that. That's all good, that's cool. No, I'm, not, I'm not coming at you, I'm just saying historically, culturally and biblically, what would typically happen? It was usually the father's trade that was passed down to the next generation. Why? Because the father, the father forms. And some of us, maybe you even hear that, and you're like, nah, bro, my, I'm good, man. My dad, I never knew him. He wasn't there. I'm good, bro. He didn't form me. Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe the greatest thing that formed your life was his absence? Maybe you're here and you're like, yo, 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 but, but bro, like I had a great father, but maybe what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the shadow of a father. I can't live up to that. I can't measure that. I, 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 can't, I can't be that. All I'm trying to get you to see is that the father forms and inside of every little boy and every little girl, the heart of daddy issues is a cry like Esau saying, don't you have a blessing for me? I just... I desire your blessing, dad. I want your blessing, dad. Dad, I want your blessing. I want your blessing. The father blesses. What's amazing today is as we look backwards, we've been talking a whole lot about negative things that we inherited, but you ought to know that we don't just, we don't just pass and we don't just pass down negative things. We also pass down good things. Maybe you had a terrible upbringing, but at the very least you were given the breath in your lungs that was passed to you. I am the seed of my ancestors. I am the fruit of men and women who have gone before me. I stand on this stage four generations of men and women who went before me doing this exact same thing. I am on their shoulders. I am walking in the blessing that they paved for me. And as a dad, it is my heart's desire to bless my children, to bless them that I want them to start where I stopped. I want my ceiling to be their floor. The other day, my son said, I want some water. And I gave him a bottle of water. He said, no, Pellegrino. <laughs> we, got, we got in the car the other day, my, my boy Gene and I, and he, he brought me a coffee, brought me, came out and brought me a cold brew coffee because that's all I drank, cold brew, cold brew. And I had a cold brew and he gave it to me and Wyatt in the back seat goes, I like chai. <laughs> I said, how do you even know that word, bro? You're for chai, I like chai tea. Oh my gosh. But my boys aren't spoiled, they're blessed. Not because they drink Pellegrino and chai tea. They're blessed because there's a father who wants to prepare them for a glorious future that wants to push them farther and further than he ever went. When it comes to this idea of blessing, what does a practical blessing look like? On another Sunday, I promise you, I'm gonna take some time and teach on it, but I read a beautiful book this summer called The Blessing. I think it's on our site. Uh, I believe the author is John Trent and Gary Smalley, but there's five aspects to an Old Testament blessing that I think we all long for today. Uh, it involves meaningful and appropriate touch. That's why today we, we, we prayed for people in our services and we lay our hands on them. That's not because we're mystical, that's because we're biblical. And we believe that there's something to pass down. He, he also says that uh, when it comes to a blessing that it's spoken or written message. I say it all the time, nobody knows what's in your heart unless you speak it. Your, your kids don't know you love them unless you tell them that you love them. 
He would say that the third part of a blessing is that you have to attach high value on the person being blessed. So that when I want to bless you, I have to say something about you. I have to put value on your life. But the fourth part of the blessing is that I have to help you picture a special future. You know, my entire life, I had parents that were always talking about my future, who I was going to be and what I was going to do. And lastly, the fifth part of the blessing, what they would say in their book is that you have to have an active commitment to help fulfill that blessing. I just think what, what a beautiful picture of what ministry looks like, even in our house, even in our church. How do we bless one another? We just follow that practical guideline right there. Fathers are called to bless their families. It's, it's tough being a dad in 2022. I think so many times when people come to church, we just beat up the men. But I think it's important today that, that we recognize it, it, it's difficult out there. But dads, you are so needed. Man, if you do the research, it's crazy. When it comes to imprisonment, when it comes to drug addiction, when it comes to violence, when it comes to gender confusion, you will see there is complete correlations to a fatherless home. That, that there's, there's, there's people that are crying out that I just wanted a blessing. That they, they, they didn't need you to be the best in the world. They just needed you to bless them. They just needed you to be in their life. Paul said that many of us, we have, there's many guardian angels. There's, there, there's, there's many that protect us and look out for us, but there are a few fathers. There are a few fathers. And anybody can bring a baby into this world, but it takes a dad to walk with that child through this world. We need some dads. We need some dads. And today on week four, when I was thinking about this idea of stopping the bleeding and starting the blessing, I wanted to teach you for a moment through God's word what a dad brings to the home, what a dad brings to the story. And some of you right now are going, I don't, I don't have a dad. Don't, we're we're going to get some hope because the Bible says he's a father to the fatherless. Maybe there's some women in this room right now that you are raising your kids all on your own and you're a single parent. I want to let you know today that with God's help, you're going to step in and you're going to see what's missing and you're going to bring it to the story. The blessing of a father, which is what everybody's looking for, and how the blessing gets started and how it gets passed down and how a legacy is created is when I stop the bleeding, but now I start being a blessing. Abraham got this great promise. He said, you're gonna be great because you're gonna be a blessing to others. You wanna be a great dad? You wanna be a great mom? You wanna be a great person? Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Oh, Rich, okay, well, like, how does, what does a dad do? Throughout the scriptures, dads are called to be the spiritual leaders of their home. Now, right away, it's like, oh, dude, wow, okay. It's my like third month in church, man. Like, spiritual leader. This is Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Meaning that men are called to love their wife and their families like Christ loved us. So when we say be the spiritual leader of the home, it means that you are to behave and operate like Jesus in your home. When you go into the Old Testament, you discover that there's three key offices. Jesus fulfills all three of them. It's called prophet, priest, and king. And in the home, dads, you're called to be prophet, priest, and king. I'm gonna come to the king, don't worry, don't edit me out, don't cancel me, ladies, I love you. Um, but, but a prophet, let's just try to get this idea. A prophet is someone who hears from God. It's someone who, 
who listens to God. And I just wanna say to the men of this house, the way that you bless your home is when your ear is in tune with the spirit. It's that you say, this is where the Lord is leading us. This is what God has spoken to us. And this is the direction that we're headed in. It's bringing God's word into play. It's how my dad raised me. We got to Miami in 1998 because my dad got a word from God. We left Tacoma, Washington, very different from Miami because my dad was like, the Lord called our family to Miami. I was raised with a prophet in the house. But you're not just called to be the prophet, you're called to be the priest. Rich, I'm not a priest, bro. You know the stuff I've done. Chill, chill. What does the priest do in the Old Testament? The priest mediates. He represents the people to God. So it's really, really simple. To be the spiritual leader, first, I want to bring God's word into my home. I want, to, I want to speak and say, this is what the Lord's leading us to do. I don't want to just operate completely in the natural. I want, to, I want to be supernatural. But as priest, what it means is that I am covering my family. I am bringing my family before the Lord. I'm covering them. I'm just, I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my wife. The men in this house, I'm just telling you right now, it's like praying for this house, praying for your pastor, praying for your leaders is how you operate in the office of the priest. I had this little, 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 little lesson. It's really simple because some of y'all, no one ever gave you this pattern. No one ever taught you. You're like, I don't know how to pray very good. All right, here's what you do. You make things an excuse to pray. What do you mean? Look for excuses to pray. Look for excuses to pray. Next time your kid falls down, don't just pick him up. Pick him up and pray. Just look, I'm just real practical. When you have a meal, when you have a meal, just pray. It's just an excuse. We're just going to pray. When you put them down to sleep, don't just put them, pray. When you drop them off at school, don't just, oh, get out of the car. Don't get in trouble. Lord, bless them. Let them know they're loved. Let them know their mother and their father are for them. Look for an excuse to pray. It's not enough just for you to stop the bleeding. You got to start the blessing. This third word, king. Let's chill out. Let's chill out. Let's chill out. I can already see some dude. I'm the king. You're not the king. Chill, 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 chill. Maybe a healthier word for us. It's just a leader that you're leading. And everyone knows good leaders never force. They inspire those to follow. How many of y'all know more is caught than taught? More is caught than taught. How are you living? More is caught than taught. You're called to lead. You're called to lead. Rich, how do I lead? These are really, really simple, but I'm just trying to give you some practical things that you can do to start the blessing. I think the first thing is that you gotta be present. Present, 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 present. Your presence is the greatest present my goodness. You only live once, but if you do it right, it's enough. You don't have to be perfect to lead. You just have to be present to lead. I just make no apologies. Yo, I'm flying to Singapore tomorrow and I'm taking my four-year-old son. 30 hours in the air and this boy's next to me. 
because I only got 18 years with this cat under my roof. And he's going to know one thing. His dad was not perfect, but his dad was always right there in front of him. You got a lot of guardian angels. We don't have many fathers. Can I speak to some older men in this room? Can I speak to some middle-aged men in this room? We need spiritual fathers in this house. You gotta be here to father. You gotta make a decision. My presence matters. I'm gonna be here because I wanna pass something down. Just present, just present. I'm present, I'm present. Just be present. I don't know how to lead, I don't know how to lead. Be present. Be present. When you're there, get engaged. Be about it, man. I love what Paul says to dads in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. I want my presence to energize, not exasperate. Exasperate means to annoy, to drain. I don't, I don't want to drain. I want to, I want to. I want to energize. That's how I want to lead this church. That's how I want to lead the men and the families in this house. I don't want to exasperate you. I want to energize you. I'm telling you this whole week, I feel like the enemy has been trying to stop. I don't use this language a lot, but I feel like the enemy has been trying to stop me from preaching. It has been a week. One of our dearest friends, uh, I think it was Tuesday, her dad uh, at 63 years of age, pulmonary embolism, dropped dead. And this whole week I've been on the phone counseling and praying and loving on a widow who lost her husband out of nowhere and a daughter who is sobbing and broken and has so many questions. And it's always in death that, whoa, whoa. It puts everything back into context of what really matters. And I listen to my friend as she just says, I just wish I had one more minute. I just want one more minute with him. We'll never really know how much our presence matters. You don't have to be perfect, but you got to be present. You got to be present. If you're going to lead dads, you got to be a person who provides. And once again, I know it's 2022. I'm not saying you have to be the breadwinner of your family, but you got to make sure you care about bread being one. You feel what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. Like, I love Don Cherie. Yo, Don Cherie, do your thing, girl. Like, I'm fine. I'm, hey, go for it, girl. Ha have your way. Like, Lord bless her. You know, like, um, but I got to, I have to be, I have to be a provider. I have to provide. And I'm not just talking about providing physically because so many men stop there. We provide emotionally. We provide mentally. We provide spiritually. Oh, I know I've preached on it so many times, but I just can't get away from it because I just keep seeing thing after thing after thing. Luke chapter three, verse 21. It's that story of Jesus being baptized. He hasn't done one thing yet. Hasn't done one miracle yet. But as he goes under the water, he comes up out of the water and the heavens are opened up and the father's voice, he speaks. And what does the father say? He says, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. And three things we see that he provides. He provides Jesus and you and me with identity. You are my son. And dads, you provide your children, spiritual fathers. We provide people with identity. 
It's amazing because one chapter later, Jesus gets baptized. Luke chapter four, he is in the wilderness going through temptation. And how does the devil tempt him? Are you really the son of God? Because temptation always begins at the level of your identity. That's why you need a father who will provide identity for you. You are my child. But he says, you're my son whom I love. Fathers provide affection. I love you. I love you just the way that you are. Now, I love you so much, I'm not gonna let you stay that way. I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna train you, I'm gonna prepare you. Hebrews says, come on, don't earthly fathers, don't they discipline because they love and they're training and they're correcting? Fathers correct and we train because we love. You are my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Fathers provide affirmation, affirmation. And I just know there's people in this room today and watching online that you have this cry on the inside for the blessing of a father. And what were you looking for? You were looking for someone to say, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. I felt like the Lord told me to say to some people this week, you're doing better than okay. Father in heaven through Jesus sees you. And he says, you're my child. I love you. And I affirm you. It's funny as I get older, I thought I wouldn't need my dad so much, you know? I'm 38. My dad just celebrated this week his 70th birthday. Come on, that's pretty good. But sometimes I find myself calling my dad. And I'm not trying to throw it in people's face today. I know for many this is so unfair, but sometimes I just call my dad. I'm like, Dad, am I doing a good job? Am I doing this life right? Like, am I doing okay? Am I doing good? It's weird at 38 that you need some people to tell you, not just anybody. A lot of people tell me I'm doing a good job, but something different when my dad says, boy, you're doing good. You're doing good. Doing better than okay. You're doing better than okay. A lot of guardian angels, not many fathers. The last thing that a father does is that a father, um, how he leads is he protects. Don't you know that to be true? He protects, he protects, he protects. <laughs> the other night I'm laying in bed. Dontre went to visit our friend who lost her father and my boy Wyatt came in, got in bed and he's laying next to me. He says, Dad. Put your arm around me. I put my arm around him. And about 20 seconds later, he goes, Dad, not so tight. <laughs> oh, man. Because we want protection, and we need protection. It's been a full week. None of this stuff is made up. These are all true stories. Um, some of you probably saw in the news. It's kind of made national attention. But about three weeks ago down in the Keys, there was a 10-year-old boy who was bitten by a bull shark off the coast. And with it, through uh, 
miraculous rescue. He was saved. He was taken over to the Nicholas Children's Hospital just down the street from here, but they had to amputate his leg. I didn't even read the news story, but I got a text message just last week from an old friend of mine. His name is Jameson. Jameson said, Rich, I don't know if you've seen the news, but that was my son who was attacked. And um, they've been having, you can imagine, the craziest chaotic three weeks ever. Jameson used to pastor in the Broward County area. Now he leads a great ministry in North Carolina. And he said, would you come by the hospital? I said, we'd love to come by the hospital. And so I said, can I bring my sons with me? And so I took Wyatt and Wilde to the hospital on Friday. And for close to two hours, we sat with this family and this little 11 year old boy, he turned 11 in the hospital. As they recounted the stories of this horrific traumatic day of a shark biting him and I'll let them when they want to share their story. The details I'm giving today are already out there, but it was horrific. It was, you can imagine the trauma of all of it. I, I was taken aback as I'm talking to an 11 year old boy who's missing his leg and with resiliency and with fervor, he's articulating everything that happened. I got both my boys on my lap and I'm like, you're gonna listen to this kid, man. We're gonna, we're gonna hear what this kid has to say. And we got to be with them and we got to talk about Jesus and talked about how Jesus was in all of it. It was beautiful. And, you know, the whole thing, man, just blood in the water, tourniquet, getting him back to the shore, ambulance, helicopter, foursome surgeries later. This dad who's just there, this mom who just said, we're gonna protect this boy. We're gonna get him back. We're gonna make sure he's safe. Now today, weeks later, his leg is all bandaged up and it's starting to heal. He has no leg any longer, but, but the wound is beginning to heal. And they told me in the hospital the other day, they said, um, we have a few more weeks of some treatment, but as soon as we are done with our treatment, before we go back to North Carolina, we're gonna go back to that very same reef. And my dad and I are gonna swim in the exact spot that the shark bit me. Because we're not going to let the wound of the past and the pain of the past, we're not going to let the bleeding stop the blessing. We're going to go back and face our fear to say, this thing happened, but this thing is not in charge of my future. of a good father, that guy right there. I'm not just going to make sure you get well and healed, boy. We're going to go back and I'm going to protect your future that you are not called to live in fear. This was a minor setback, but it's an opportunity for you to step up. There's a future, boy. There's a future you're called to walk into. And I know today Maybe you're here, everyone can stand to their feet. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Rich, that's so beautiful. But man, you are, you're forgetting one thing. I never had a dad like that. 
But friends, the heart of this collection is to remind you over and over and over again that your heavenly father, he's not a reflection of your earthly father. He's the perfection of your earthly father. That's why Ezekiel says that he came and he saw us in our blood and he looked at us and he said, live, 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 live. There's a future, there's a legacy. You might not have created the problems, but you're gonna stop the problems. You might not have had an earthly dad, but I'm so thankful that Psalm 2710 says, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord, he will receive me. Psalm 68.5 says he's a father to the fatherless. Come on, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says he's an everlasting. He's an everlasting father. This dad doesn't get tired. He's prophet, priest, and king. He's present. He provides and he will protect you, not just protect you from the wounds that are bleeding right now, but he will heal you. And then he will take you back to face things to say, I'm not gonna let this fear hold you back from stepping in to a glorious, beautiful future. Stop the bleeding, start the blessing. And here in this house, we're gonna pass down blessings. You might not have had a good earthly father. You might not have had a home that stuck together, but guess what? You're gonna start something new in Jesus' name. Generations are gonna look back one day and say, wow, my great-grandfather, he made a decision to follow Jesus and everything about his life turned upside down. I close today with this. My daughter the other day, my favorite child, she said her first words. Da da. Da da. To be honest with you, I think all of our children's first words were da da. Because what research will tell us is that the majority of kids' first words are da da. Our papa. I think there's something spiritual to it. You know, we call God a father, not because he's male, by the way. Probably should have clarified that week one. We call him father. God is both male and female. He's, we are the image of him. We call him father because the father forms us. And the first words out of our mouth first person we identify with in almost every culture, language, and tongue is dada, papa. Romans chapter 8 says, you did not inherit a spirit of being a slave, but of sonship. You can cry out, Abba, 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 which means dad. And I don't know today, but something tells me it's spiritual. Something tells me it's to remind all of us that if you are facing hell and high water, that if you don't have the strength to lift your hands, if 
you never make it to the growth track or ever get to a crew, if you don't know how to tithe, if you don't know how to serve on a team, something tells me that you got at least one word in your vocabulary. That at your weakest moment, you are still strong enough to say the only prayer that you've ever needed to pray, which is dad, dad. listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.